Blog Talk Radio. So girl, you just be honest with me. I know we can make this work. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. I know that you're afraid, babe. But you don't need to be safe, babe. You just need someone to understand. And I think I need the same, babe. Show me where you at, let's keep it honest Hold you where you at, and that's a promise Open up and never keep it from us Nothing left between us, baby, nothing Tell me what you want, let's keep it case Tell me you created you, I'll take it Open up and never keep it from us Nothing left between us, baby Hopefully you give me a chance All the ones I've been romantic
Listen, have you been right at the point of ready? Perfect shoes, perfect dress, perfect hair, perfect makeup, and you look a fool. Well, we're going to stop all that right now. Kevin Foster is the person for you. Aside from him being able to travel to you, being known for his white tape series, he offers a unique experience that's very, very inexpensive. It'll be worth the money that you spend. Prices start at $125. If you would like an appointment with Kevin, call 770-407-9025 to set an appointment. Tell him that the Emperor sent you. It's Instagram, Facebook, or on KFOS Photography. Tell him the Emperor sent you. You feel bad and your bedroom gymnastics just are plain done. You ain't on fleek. The best way to tap into your inner sexy is to find it with Nia Jackson. Yes, Nia is the owner and operator of PYC Studios. And let's, let's say you want to learn how to twerk. What about pole dancing? What about booty pop? What about just learning a sexy dance for his next birthday? Yes, she is here in Hoover. She will help you learn your pace, carve out that tone, sexy body that you have, while all at the same time teaching you how to be a beast in the bedroom. Contact Nia at PYTstudios.com or call her at 205-444-0066. Tell her the Empress sent you. Yeah. Hey, good Wednesday. It is December the 9th, 2015. It is a Wednesday night, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. And tonight we're going to talk about a little bit of what you hear for. You know, a lot of people would dare to tell you that they know everything about what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing. But I think that most people are just going through the motions, moving through the world without a whole lot of insight as to what their ultimate goal is. I, I think life and death sometimes will make you have to think twice about things. And we have a special guest with us tonight, Mr. Sacconi Prince. I can hear him taking some deep breaths. Are you there? And can you hear me, Mr. Prince? Yes, I am, Sharon. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. And I'm going to tell you, you know, I I, I don't think that I'm the only person on this earth who hasn't questioned what in the world, like what what am I supposed to do? Everybody has bills. Everybody has trouble, tribulations, some good times, some bad times. But I'm not sure if we're truly living on purpose, but I think you're on to something. For the people who don't know you, Mr. Ciccone Prince, please introduce yourself to our listening audience. Okay, well, like my name is Sacconi Prince, and I'm the president and CEO of SacconiPrince.com, where we introduce you to yourself, and I'm a motivational speaker. And I focus on personal development and helping people to really ask the right questions of themselves like, so that they can get the right answers. It's not that we don't have enough information. You know, we mm-hmm. can Google anything. But I, I think our biggest problem is asking the right questions, and that's one of the focuses of my platform and of my tech motivational speaking is helping people to ask the right questions, not of everybody else, but of themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, you said something really interesting already, introducing a person to themselves. Now, is is this the first book you've written in this tone, or do you have other references that – uh, help to build this uh, self-finding identity? Well, this is the first book in this genre. I mm-hmm. wrote a previous book, and it's, 
fact, it's available as a PDF download, and it's entitled, Are You Smart Enough to Play Dumb? <laughs> and and that book is a guide for starting and running a small business. Hmm. Okay, so tell us why you wrote this book, Are You Climbing the Wrong Mountain? Because I tell you, I don't know if anybody is living mountainless. I'm pretty sure that I got a nice little valley of mountains, I mean, a whole little scenery of them. And I feel like some of the things that I go through are just like, what is this about? So what made you write this particular book or maybe even entitled the book, uh, Are You Climbing the the Wrong Mountains? Okay, well, in order for me to answer that, I have to go back to my coaching. And earlier mm-hmm. this year, actually, this time last year, I signed up for speaker coaching, and I chose to coach with or with Dr. Ruben West. Uh, he has a group called Black Belt Speakers, and so I became a part of the Black Belt Speaker family, and one of the things he had us doing was he had us studying quotes in order for us to memorize them so that we could use them in our presentations on the fly. Not that we were reading them off a piece of paper or reading them off cue cards, but but, you know, we actually know them so we could be able to call upon them when needed. Mm-hmm. And in the process of me studying quotes and finding quotes on the Internet and all, I ran across one by Dr. Miles Monroe. And this quote, it literally made me stop in my tracks when I read it because the quote says that the greatest failure in life is to succeed at the wrong assignment. Mm. Now, I'm going to say that again because, like I said, when I first read it, it was heavy to me. The greatest failure in life is to succeed at the wrong assignment. Okay. And, you know, me being the visual person that I am, when I first heard that quote, when I first read it, the first thing that popped into my mind was a picture. Mm-hmm. And in the picture, I saw somebody standing on top of a mountain with their arms outstretched in victory like they saying, I did it. But the caption at the bottom of the picture said, but you're on the wrong mountain. And so it was from that from that quote, from that image, I got the concept and the idea for the book, Are You Climbing the Wrong Mountain? Yeah. And there are a lot of people that find themselves doing things that they were trained to do as opposed to things that they were ordained to do. Wow. That's a tweet. You know that's a tweet right there, what you just said. Yeah, that's a being, Oh, my God, that's kind of huge. You said being trained to do something rather than what you were ordained to do. What exactly is the difference between those two? Well, you can train anybody to do almost anything. For instance, I'll take myself for example. I have no desire on this earth to drive a semi-truck, a 18-wheeler truck. I have no desire at all, okay? Mm-hmm. If I had to do that, that would be a chore to me because it's not something that I aspire to do. And even what it would get me, you know, just being able to travel and to go from state to state and, you know, be on the road most of the time, mm-hmm. that's not my calling. That's not something that that is deep-seated in me. So for me to do that, I could be trained to drive 
a 18-wheeler truck. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to be the best driver out there. That doesn't mean that I'm going to receive the amount of fulfillment by doing that because it's not something that that's in me to do. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that would be a chore. For someone else who likes to open road, who don't like to be nailed down, as, as they say, they want to travel, in fact, they want to see different places and go different places, well, that would be the ideal job for them, mm-hmm. especially if they, you know, love the big rigs and the whole concept and just that whole lifestyle. For them, that that would be their dream job. And so when I talk about stuff that we're trained to do as opposed to stuff that we are ordained to do, a lot of us, we've gone to school, we've gone through different training programs and courses, and we have skill sets, but those skill sets may not be what we were meant or in, or intended to do. Mm. Now, how do I distinguish the fact between the two? Exactly. When you can do something with such ease and such clarity, when you do it effortlessly, and not only that, but you are fulfilled in the process, mm. that is one of the things that you were made to do. Mm-hmm. Whether it's cooking, or whether it's talking to young people, or whether it's painting, or whether it's being an organizer, whether it's running a company, whether it's building a company, starting from scratch. Whatever it is, there's going to be a sense of fulfillment that you get from it that you get nowhere else. And you will know for a fact this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm. And now, see, the thing about climbing the wrong mountain, if you're on the wrong mountain, there are three things that you can learn from this, and I want you to write these down. Okay. Number one, number one, you realize if you're on the wrong mountain, the first thing you realize is, okay, this is not where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> That's the first thing. Because there's mm-hmm. no sense of fulfillment. There's no sense of satisfaction. It's a dread. It's a, you hate to, to go and, and to do what you're doing. So at least one, like the first thing, you can eliminate the mountain that you're on. You can say, this is not it. I may be doing it. I may be here. But this is not where I'm supposed to be. Okay, that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, if you're on the wrong mountain, from the wrong mountain, you can see the right one. Mm-hmm. From okay. from being on the wrong mountain, you can see the right one. Because even being down in a valley, you can't see that far. Mm-hmm. But even if you're halfway up the wrong mountain, you can have a better view and you can see where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. See, being on your job or being in your profession, in your career, you may be doing something that you don't like. Mm-hmm. But from that, you have exposure to other things. And you can mm-hmm. see, oh, that area over there, it interests me. That area over there, I'm drawn to it. This area over here, I can see how I can make a difference in it. So even being on the wrong mountain, you can see, right, but that's the second thing. The third thing is, even if you're mm-hmm. on the wrong mountain, 
not only can you identify it as a wrong mountain, in fact, not only can you see the right mountain from the wrong mountain, but even if you're on the wrong mountain, the good thing is that you have mountain climbing skills. So that means that when you get to the right mountain, it's not going to take you that long to get up it because you already know how to climb. So are you saying that you have to have a certain level of success in the wrong sometimes before you can see the right mountain to be on and ha- and use that experience to climb quicker through the proper mountain? Well, I, I'm not even saying that you have to have a certain measure of success on the wrong mountain. Okay. In fact, what I'm saying is that you have to be able to identify that this mm-hmm. is not where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Although I have, I have you know, some actual skills. Okay, mm-hmm. for instance, a lot of people are are on jobs where they pretty much hit the ceiling. You know where they topped out. You know mm-hmm. they know within themselves that they have more to offer. There's more that they can do, but they're not. They don't have that opportunity. And so they've gone as far as they can go there. And that really, it starts them to look. It starts them to wonder, what else is out there? Mm-hmm. What else is out there? And when the call is so strong that mm-hmm. you just can't stay where you are, you mm-hmm. start looking. And right. I, believe that there, I believe that there are a lot of people, even listening to this show right now, that are looking for something else. They are looking yeah. for something that's going to be more fulfilling, something like that's going to allow them to actually operate in their purpose. Mm-hmm. They are looking for something beyond just right now. And they are looking for the right mountain. Okay. So I want to ask this because I'm trying to be clear. And I, cause I think that, Everybody has a purpose. I, I I believe it. I believe that everybody has a specific something that they're expert at, and it may not be really evident. And I think to some people it's evident way early in their life. They know it. They move towards it, and they fulfill it, and they flourish sometimes becoming experts and teaching other people how to do that exact same thing. So being ordained right. or having purpose or being driven, does it necessarily have to be a part of what you do as your career choice? Because, like, how am I going to – because I don't think I was born to be a nurse <laughs> because that's what I do every okay. day. But but inside okay. of being a nurse, I do know that a part of my purpose is to talk and counsel with people, and I got to do that every day. I got to do that every day. So I think my mountain to be able to provide for myself was, you know, being a nurse. But how do you – how do people – incorporate uh, that into their daily lives, or do you have to sacrifice your job to get that fulfillment of destiny? <laughs> now, I'm, I'm actually laughing because you are pushing me into something that I want to talk to at the end. Like, but I'm going to say oh. that because I, I, really, I really don't want to spoil that, but I'm going to say that to the end. But to actually okay. answer your question as far as mm-hmm. – do you have to be doing something that as far as like your actual job or your career? Mm-hmm. Well, oftentimes people, they don't really know what 
They want to do what they have to do, you know, what they intend to do. And, and I, I mean, to be honest, life experiences at times mm-hmm. tend to steer us in directions that we never would have thought of. Mm-hmm. But you did say something that was key and that's critical. Whatever okay. your purpose is, whatever it is, it's going to revolve around people. Period. Mm-hmm. Even if it's even if it's wildlife conservation, you want to save wildlife for the benefit of future generations, not just for them to exist somewhere, you know, out untouched by human. But you want to save a species. So whatever it is you do is going to involve humans, whether it's landscaping, whether it's mm-hmm. cooking, whether it's making clothes, whether it's programming websites, whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's going to involve people. So, you know, the question is, how are you going to serve humanity? Somebody once said mm-hmm. that the rent for us for us living here on Earth, in fact, the rent that we pay is, is service to others. Mm-hmm. So how mm-hmm. are you going to serve humanity? And you mentioned being a nurse and counseling people and how you enjoy you know, talking to people, and you do that along with your job, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But but how can you take that counseling from a one-on-one mm-hmm. and, let's say, do it to a larger group? It's Ooh, where. <laughs> Because I'm scared, because I'm going to tell you why. I got one caller on the phone that I want to go ahead okay. and, you know, get into the call in the case that they have a question for you. I identified okay. you by the last four digits of the number that you're calling in on, and that's 6508. Are you there, and can you hear me? 6508, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Did you have any questions for Mr. Prince so far? Actually, I don't. I was calling in to listen this way. Um, okay. My name is Kim Schimmel, and um, I'm from Topeka, Kansas. How you doing, Sakoni? Yeah. I'm actually I'm, um, I'm I'm here supporting my black belt speaker um, friend here, <laughs> Sakoni. <laughs> so I'm just listening to his message tonight. Thank that's you, so that's so great, and you know what that that brings about another question that I have, and I hope I'm not skipping it you know, too far into maybe something you want to say. I know that when people speak about dreams and opportunities and what they've always wanted to do, some people are just dreaming because, you know, like a 40-year-old man telling me he want to be a rapper, I think you're dreaming. I think you need to get over that unless your daddy is, 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 is Big Papa or somebody. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference in having real aspirations. What about the the community that's around you, like the immediate groups of people you have had to have uh, certain types of people around you. You have someone who's called in to just listen and support you. That means something. Do you think that you can give some direction on people who are, you know, clearing out their path to what they're supposed to do and who's supposed to be around them? Yes, I can. I want to yeah. say that that our our group, and I mean, we literally call each other family because. Mm-hmm. That's how we view each other. I mean, when you have like-minded people from different walks, from different backgrounds, but they know that they have more to offer than what they're doing right now, and they are willing to make the investment in themselves to strive and to stretch and to grow beyond the norm, those are the type of people that you want to be around. 
because they encourage you to continue. I never would have written, I never would have completed this book had it not been for them not being critical of me, but them encouraging me, and I mean literally cheering me on. Wow. And I knew that I had, it wasn't about me anymore. I knew that I had a support system in place. And, oh, my God, I tell people all the time, if you're going to do something small, you really don't need a whole lot of help. Yeah. If I'm going to move a chair from one building to the next, what do I need to call you all? You know, what do I need to get some people to come over and help? It's a chair. I pop the back of my SUV up, I put the chair in it, I drive to where I'm going, I take it out, and I put it in. But if I'm moving a whole conference room, in fact, with a uh-huh. table that's that's longer than your three queen-size bed, I'm going to need some help. And so that's uh-huh. what I think a lot of people, they have this misconception that, okay, if, if I ask for help, in fact, that shows that I'm weak. The reality is when you ask for help, you you do so so you can remain strong. You realize I can't do this alone. I need some right. assistance because this job is too big for me. And this book, writing this book, although it was in me, although it was something that was given to me, mm-hmm. I needed the encouragement. I needed people holding me accountable. I needed people not taking my excuses for me mm-hmm. to finish it. And, I mean, I can't tell you how humbled I am but also excited because they were a critical part of me being able to complete this work. And I know I couldn't have done it on my own. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded, who are heading in the same direction, they will help fuel your fire. Have you ever been mm-hmm. to those kind of like ceremonies, you know, where they may be honoring somebody? Mm-hmm. And everybody's there, you know, with the candle, and they'll like light a candle, and then you know that person go over to somebody else, and a couple of people like light that candle, and you know, and it just keeps going until all of the candles are lit. Mm-hmm. Well, if if you lit several people's candle, and then your candle goes out, well, guess what? You can go back to them, and you can get your candle relit. Mm-hmm. But if you never lit anybody else's candle, and your candle goes out. Mm-hmm. Then the people around you they can't realize yours, and that's one right. of the things about our our Black Bethesda family is that we continue to encourage each other and we want to see each other succeed. And so I would mm-hmm. say anybody that want to do anything significant, you have to have a team in place. You have to have a support system, even if they're just that, just to encourage you to keep going and not give up. Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean believe me, that is critical. Mm-hmm. If you if you want to accomplish something great and big, you you're going to need help. I don't care who it is, I don't care what it is that you want to do. You are going to need some people around you that really want to see you succeed and are willing to do whatever it takes to help you in that process. Now they're not going to do it for you, but they will right. encourage you and they will be there for you. So yes, you, you definitely need that. It's it's. I I feel like you uh, are almost sort of kind of speaking to me in particular because I I for this year in in particular this year I started cutting off people who to me not because of anything personal but it was to release me from the uh, uh, the distraction of people who had no purpose for my life at all, uh, no positive purpose for my life. So I, when when I did realize that my 
you know, wanting to talk to people, counsel with people, do those sorts of things, it became easier to say the things I had to say and the satisfaction and fulfillment of what I do uh, was just evident for me. Now, did you, do you feel like you have to have a mastery? Because you, you, you said, you know, public public speaking is one of the things that we talked about. And I, myself, personally, I I talk to people on radio all the time. I've done another show with another group of people. I have no problem being behind the scenes, but when it comes to you asking me to stand in front of people who are looking at me, it's hard for the words to come. So is fear not a part of your this process for you? Because, I mean, you have to have a pretty strong persona, I would say, or a purpose that's full enough that drives you past the fear of public speaking. To me, that's the hardest for me. Well, if I can answer that, and I really wish that you had had an opportunity to attend Mm -hmm. our training. And I'm not just saying this because I've been encouraged to or paid to. I'm saying this because it's true. We had a Mm -hmm. training back in October, and we had twice as many people at at our previous training as we had back in April. And within a couple of days of being at this event, we had people who had never seen each other before in their life mm-hmm. being vulnerable enough to share and to actually get up. We actually had a stage. They got up on stage and talked. Now, in order for you to do that, you have to feel mighty comfortable with the people that you are surrounding yourself. And that's one thing that, like the now coach and I mentioned, Dr. Ruben West, he focuses on building a, I mean, it's, it's literally, it's a safe environment to where everybody there wants to help everybody else get better. And mm-hmm. so it's not people are, are just overly critical of you and, and just dogging you. No, if they tell you something, they want you, they want you to see what they see. Like Les Brown says, you can't see the picture when you're on the frame. But when you have somebody that wants you to succeed, they will give you constructive criticism that will help you get better. I was talking to a a young lady at the training, and she mentioned to me that, you know, she has a problem with her confidence, Mm -hmm. you know, in speaking and getting up and speak. And I actually said something, and so you talked about being being is something that's tweetable. In fact, when I said it, I was like, I need to tweet that out. Because what I said was that your consistency builds confidence. Your consistency builds confidence. So in doing motivational speaking, our coach, he asked us to do weekly videos because we are all over the country. Actually, in fact, we have a fact, one Black Best Speaker family member. She's in Canada. So mm-hmm. we use the Internet a lot. We use Facebook. We use YouTube. You know, we use Twitter in order, to, you know, to be able to actually help each other and to critique each other. And so he asked us to do weekly videos, two to three minutes, sometimes, in fact, no more than five-minute videos, working out some of the techniques and stuff that we were doing because, Without him seeing what we're doing, it's kind of hard, you know, for him to critique us. And mm-hmm. so just shooting those videos, it really, it helped me. If your listeners get a chance 
they can go to my YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Prince, and so you can search and it'll come up. If you look at some of my earlier videos as compared to some of my later videos, mm-hmm. they are so much better because I went through the process mm-hmm. of doing it. And like I said, you don't have to be great to start. Mm-hmm. But it, but in order for you to be great, you have to start. You well, have to I'm gonna start. Say, I'm going to tell you this. I, I can remember when I started this show, and I can remember being scared to death only because I was by myself. I was used to being in a group of people. I've always sang with a group of people. I, hell, I wasn't even born by myself. I got a twin sister. So everything that I've <laughs> ever done, everything that I've ever done has always been with a, a, a cosign in, in a sort of way. But with life, which is great uh, sometimes at breaking you, it required that I answer. To, I, was on, I was on this show, and I felt very uh, put in a box with the conversation it was as if everybody was teaming up on me and I wasn't being heard and I knew the only way that I could be heard was to say that truth myself nobody else could do this for me even all of the people who were on the line with me and who worked together with me we were friends or, or whatever but I knew they could not speak for me and right. I was scared to death I literally just had to say you know what I'm going to do this regardless and it was safe because I was not even in the studio at that time. I was broadcasting from home like I am tonight. And okay. it felt so empowering. And the difference between that personality and the personality now on radio is so much different. It's like I can even hear more clearly um, when, I, when I'm talking with guests. It's like uh, I probably would have been totally uh, not able to even get the understanding and learning um, had I just continue to rely on other people and um, I know we still haven't gotten to the book and I really want to get to this chapter nine on your book about getting a plan together because I know that you know people can have an idea uh, and a, a strong pull at okay this is what I'm supposed to do it's maybe connected to what I do as a career choice and maybe not but this is what I'm here on earth to do after knowing that what do you do then because that's the biggest part because I'm ready to hop off of this mountain if I'm not supposed to be on it now. And I'm ready to climb where I'm supposed to. So what do we do next? Well, the bulk of this book, are you climbing the wrong mountain? It really addresses your mindset. It it addresses where you are and how you got there. Mm-hmm. And valuing how you got there and stuff that you learned getting there, mm-hmm. but then it starts to point you in a direction of saying that there has to be something more. In fact, there has to be more than in fact what you're doing right now, which I believe is where you are. Mm-hmm. And so, as far as getting a plan together, everybody's everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. So what I do in chapter nine is I lay out a framework mm-hmm. for getting a plan together so that anyone can do a custom one, a custom plan like to get to where they want to go. Now, I don't want to 
I guess I might as well go on to mention this now. We, we since you jumped all the way to chapter nine of my ten chapter book. <laughs> well, listen, listen. Uh, if I've missed uh, something, you got to give us what we need because that's just what stuck out to okay. me. Because I feel like maybe a lot of people may have several different ideas of which mountain. Maybe they're at the top of the mountain that they're on, and they see two or three different ones. How is the chapters before maybe you know more? You do. This is you. I want you to help us. Okay. So you start where you okay. need to start. You can you can go back. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, well, I will work up to chapter nine because there is okay. a huge announcement that I'm making at the end, and it okay. really ties into chapter nine. But okay. Chapter one in this book is talked about being dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. And about I hate Mondays. I hate Tuesdays. <laughs> I hate Wednesdays. <laughs> You know you're in a bad place when you're not only dreading Mondays, but you're dreading waking up Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and you know the only thing you say that you look the only highlight of your week is Friday because it's the last day of the work week. That should mm-hmm. say something to you. It should say, okay, maybe, just maybe, mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. on the right mountain. And mm-hmm. so, looking at that, you know, looking at how like much of a dread or, or how dreadful it is, you know, to actually go into fact like, whatever it is fact that you're doing. To me, that that is a key identifier of saying mm-hmm. I'm on the wrong mountain. And then in fact the question comes up is why am I here? You know, uh, uh and and this is not from a theological standpoint. I mean you know, it's like, why are you working on that job? And most of the time, you have obligations, you know. You have, like, responsibilities, whether you're married, you have kids, or, you know, you have parents that you're taking care of. I mean, there could be a whole myriad of things that you find yourself dealing with which mm-hmm. will cause you to be on the wrong mountain. But mm-hmm. you do say to yourself that there has to be something more. There has to be... You are not fulfilled. You're not satisfied. There's no sense of purpose and being on, in fact, the wrong mountain. So that's what Chapter 1 talks about. Chapter 2, it really talks about our not being so hard on ourselves because Chapter chapter 2 is entitled Don't Be So Hard on Yourself. And a lot of us, we did what we were told. You know, we went to college and we, you know, we, we, we got a degree and, you know, we started a job, we started a family, you know, we did the stuff that they were told. And and there was nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. if you don't, if you hadn't answered the question as to what's your true purpose, well, like I say, you're doing something that you were trained to do mm-hmm. and not something that you were ordained to do. Mm-hmm. And so, but even like the people that told you, they told you because that's what they were told. And so you can't be really upset with them because they didn't follow their passion. They kind of kind of fit into the mold, and they were trying to squeeze you into it. And you may be in it, but you're not satisfied, and you're not comfortable anymore. So when you grow beyond your comfort zone, things have to mm-hmm. change, mm-hmm. you know, when you know that there's more within you than you're putting out, you're not mm-hmm. going to be satisfied. 
and you are you are going to look for those opportunities in order to express and in order to actually get out what's in you. And so I talk about, you know, that and even taking a breath. I know sometimes we are under so much pressure that we just want to just just do something drastic, do something insane. You know, we just want to just 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 leave, just drive out, just get in our car, gas up, and drive till we run out of gas. Mm-hmm. But given the life situation in fact, that we that we find ourselves in, that's not practical. When you have all those obligations and you have other people depending upon you, and you and you just can't do that, you have to step back and take a breath. And then you have to see where you are. You know, value how you got there, how you got to where you are, as far as you know your job, as far as your career, and look at it as an investment. As I said before, even if you're climbing the wrong mountain, you have mountain climbing skills. Right. So it's not so it's not a complete waste of time. You know, like I said, you learn that this isn't what I want to do. I can scratch this off. Mm-hmm. You can see something else that might interest you or something else that 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 gives you a sense of purpose and full fulfillment. But you've learned some valuable lessons, even climbing the wrong mountains. I had an opportunity to speak to a group of managers for a local sandwich company here in Mobile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I encourage them to do with their employees is, you know, for them to look at not just where they are, but where they're going. Mm-hmm. I told him about a story where I'm a part of a business-to-business networking group, and every year the Cancer Society has a chili cook-off. And so several different companies and organizations, like they sign up, you know, to be a part of this chili cook-off, and, you know, you get a chance to get bragging rights. And, and it's all a fundraiser for cancer research. Well, one year I became the mouthpiece for the group. I mean, we're in the Emerald Square in downtown Mobile. I mean, there's hundreds of people, thousands of people, and mm-hmm. everybody's walking around tasting chili because you pay one price and you get a chance mm-hmm. to taste all of the chili. Mm-hmm. Well, I became like the Billy Bland, you know, the guy standing up there <laughs> broadcasting everybody. And, I mean, we were defending champs. We had won the previous year in the meat category. So I was sitting up there and I would say, defending champs, the only reason that you're here is to taste our chili. I said, everything else is just a distractor. This is why you came to the chili cook-off. And I had mm-hmm. a line of people, I mean, literally lining up, simply because I was standing up there, mouthing off, talking about how good our chili was. Mm. This lady walks up to me and hands me her business card. And she says, if you ever want to sell real estate, give me a call. Now, I I told those managers that story because I wanted them to understand you are always interviewing. Mm. You even though you're on a job, 
You never know who's in line, who owns right. what company. They came there. They came there for lunch. They came there for dinner. They came there to buy a sandwich. But if your yeah. attitude is right, if your customer service skills are top notch, mm-hmm. you never know who will who will call you to the side and say, right. "Look, we're looking for someone like you." And and I know that the owner he really didn't want to actually hear that, but see, if he really understood, this is making your employees better, okay? Yeah. If you foster an environment where everybody is everybody is doing their job to the best of their ability, you can't help mm-hmm. but have a successful company. Again, surround yourself with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And so there are always those opportunities for us to grow if we if we identify them and if we see them. And so I was just sharing with them how you're always being watched, you're always being looked at. And I even gave you an example because they had an incident with an employee who was off the clock, but unfortunately she was still wearing the employee uniform. She decided, you know, to visit, in fact, to visit an establishment that sold alcohol, and she was there with her boyfriend, and they kind of got into some sort of altercation except another patron. And, I mean, yeah, she was there. She was in uniform, which reflected that on the company. But I mentioned this. I said, okay, let's say she wasn't in uniform. But let's say that she was so good at her job that everybody knew her. Oh, that's Sharon. She works at, you know, so-and-so mm-hmm. sandwich shop. Mm-hmm. Well, if they ever see Sharon out anywhere doing anything inappropriate, it's going to reflect back on the shop. Now, say this is the example fact that I gave, and tell me if this resonates with you. Imagine mm-hmm. if you banked at a bank and there was a, you know, a particular teller, that you knew and that you used because, I mean, you would go inside and you would do your banking with them. Now, mm-hmm. imagine if you see the same teller in the mall, mm-hmm. off work, out of uniform, on her own time, mm-hmm. but she's shoplifting. She's shoplifting. Mm-hmm. Or he's mm-hmm. shoplifting. Okay, mm-hmm. now, they're not on the clock. Mm-hmm. They're not working, you know, for the bank, but you see them doing something that's not laced with integrity. Mm-hmm. Now, what's that, what, what is that going to do for you in your banking? If anything, in fact, you may change banks or you may just change <laughs> tellers or change branches mm-hmm. because of what that person did. My point right. is that, that, we're, that we're all being watched and we are all we all have an opportunity fact, to actually better fact, not only our ourselves, but for those around us. Now, like you mentioned about, you know, just being afraid to actually talk in front of people, and I was going to go back, you know, to our training. If, and if there's any way possible, I would highly recommend coming to our next training. Just just so you can see. I mean, because I can try to explain all I want, Mm -hmm. but there's nothing like being there and being in an environment to where you you start to say to yourself, I can do this. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know that you have other people around you that are saying the same thing to you that you can do this. And I mean, they mean it. But mm-hmm. they get back to the book. In fact, the book, it really, the bulk of the book, it, it actually deals back with the mindset. I talked earlier about, you know, how at times you want to do something drastic, you know, like just quit. I'm not telling people to quit their job. I'm not telling people to, you know, walk in there and cuss their ball side and walk. No, I'm not saying any of that. In fact, what I am saying is to identify if what you're doing is within your purpose. And like I said, in fact, the way that you know that is that you have a sense of satisfaction, there's a sense of fulfillment, somebody's being helped, somebody's life has been better because of it. And mm-hmm. then if you can get paid for it, that's a bonus and that's a plus. Yeah. But if you're currently working on a job, taking care of your family, taking your responsibility, taking care of your obligations, you are in a position, you know, to, as I said, to see the right mountain. You know, you have an opportunity to figure out where do I go from here? What do I do next? Mm-hmm. And so that's why Chapter 5, I said, don't jump. Don't jump yet. So many people want to. I don't know if you saw there was a video that was circling the Internet of of, of Steve Harvey. And mm-hmm. um, I said I'm a Steve Harvey fan. I actually saw him in Mobile, you know, back in the eighties mm-hmm. before he was quote unquote famous and I mean he was he was just as funny then as he is now. Mm-hmm. In fact he shares this concept of uh, jumping because he was saying that your parachute in fact won't open unless you jump. Mm-hmm. But during the course of this two minute video, he also talks about like when you first jump your parachute isn't gonna open and you and you're gonna wind up Tearing your back up against the rocks He said it will open eventually mm-hmm. But it's not going to open Right away Well if I have my wife on my back If I have my children on my back If I have my parents on my back And I want my parachute to open And I jump with all of them on there I risk losing All of those mm. Now now he And his life is fact, in the book that he has, because I, I uh, purchased the audio book, Act Like a Success, Think Like a Success, he talks about him going homeless and you know, losing his you know, marriage and his kids and all that. Well, I'm not saying just quit your job. I'm not saying sacrifice your entire life going after your dreams. In fact, what I am saying is that you have to be strategic. You know, mm-hmm. there are some people, they'll come back and say, well, I just walked off my job. Yeah, you may see them on the upswing, but that time in the down part, it's like where they were trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to take care of my family, how am I going to take care of my bills, or, you know, or it's like where they talk about all of the stuff that they lost. You may see them now afterwards, and they're doing a whole lot better, but there was a process that they went through. My thing is that, we have to be strategic. Some people will run out and they'll fight a bear, and then they'll come back and write a book about it. My mm-hmm. thing is, let's come up with a strategy to fight the bear. Mm-hmm. Like before we run out and before we get our our head handed to us, let's mm-hmm. figure out a way. And and like I said, for each person, it's different. 
That's why I say okay. this book is it, it, a framework. It gets mm-hmm. your mind in a place to where you are you are ready to make the move. I know people sometimes they just want to just quit, but mm. you have to be strategic, especially now if you're young, if you're out of college or you, know, you don't have anybody depending on you, you can pretty much mm-hmm. do, you know, whatever you feel like. But mm-hmm. if you're in your late 20s, early 30s, 40s, or 50s, and you, mm-hmm. are, and you find yourself feeling like you're stuck, then it's a time for you to look up and it's a time, you know, for you to figure out which mountain I'm supposed to be on. Mm. Now, chapter six in the book talks about identifying the right mountain. And that's where you really look at those things because at this time in life, he should have lived long enough to have easily determined, okay, I don't want to do that. Let's mm-hmm. forget about that. But these are some of the things that I want to do. Now, of those things that you want to do, which ones do you do effortlessly? Which ones are you most comfortable and satisfied and fulfilled doing? That is a good indication of your purpose. I mean, people go to school and and pay huge sums of money to learn what you can do easily. Exactly. Free. Exactly. I mean, yeah. there's a guy in our church. He he has a way with kids that I mean, I I'm just in awe of how he mm-hmm. can talk from like five year olds to twenty two year olds. I mean, I, I don't care who they. I mean, he just has a way with them, and they actually open up to him. And I mean, to me, it's just it's amazing. But I realized that that was his gift. That was his purpose. Mm-hmm. And so. He actually, he works with the Boy Scouts. He is a troop leader. Mm-hmm. And he does an amazing job with these kids. You know, people will call them trouble kids. But he looks at them as if they just need attention and love. And I mean, and he gives it to them in such a way to where they just, they soak it up. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they are they they just open up to him that because that's that's his giftedness. He identified his right mountain. You know. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I want readers of this book to do. To look at their life, look at the stuff that they've been exposed to, they look at the stuff that they've been some people actually have gone through situations where, I mean, for instance, I know this young lady, well, she's a veteran, and she has a heart for veterans' affairs. I mean, anything that, that you know, like whether, it's, like whether it's suicide rates or like mortality, health care, anything associated with veterans, because she was there. And she's been through like, some of the situations, and she just has a heart for them. That's her mountain. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mentioned the guy with the Scouts and helping the kids. Well, that's his mountain. Mm-hmm. For me, my mountain was to teach. 
it was to share information. And and I realized a long time ago that God had given me the ability to communicate. Once I understood something, I could make up an illustration to help somebody who didn't understand understand. And even as I read, like the Bible, I you know, like that's how Jesus taught. He taught in parables to where people could you know grasp and could understand. And I found myself using modern day parables that. Like to help teach people And so I understood that that was my mountain But then I went you know, from just Teaching to motivating And I, That's a whole other Story there uh, And <laughs> I don't want to get sidetracked Because I actually Easily could but identifying Like the right mountain knowing your gift And then putting it to use, knowing like what you're gifted at, and then putting it to use. But you yourself, like you even talked about, you know, being able and willing to actually talk to people. Now, doing that on a one-on-one basis is good, but if you could expand that, you know, and and even doing this radio show mm-hmm. is a great opportunity, you know, for you for you to expand that gift. But how can you take it further? You know, mm-hmm. talking to people. Start communicating. It, it, it's like having a one-on-one conversation with a thousand people, or five thousand right. people, or ten thousand people. Okay. You know? Okay. Making me nervous. Okay. <laughs> but but you can do it. You can do it. Mm-hmm. All you need is to make the investment. You need to see yourself on that mountain first. You need to see yourself speaking to that group of people. I mean, visualization. Is one of the ways that we see the future. Mm-hmm. You know, we have memories show us our past, mm-hmm. but our vision shows us our future. Being able to envision or see ourselves going somewhere or doing something more than what we're doing right now, it gives us the hope and the spark and the drive to go for it. Mm-hmm. And so, literally, seeing I have seen myself speaking to 25,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. continue to hold that vision in my mind. Mm-hmm. But as I said, it's like having a one-on-one conversation with 25,000 of your closest friends. Right. And, and, and we got a, we got a, we got another caller on the phone, and I want to introduce them into the show if they want to speak and identify you by the last four digits of your phone number. But before I do that, you just said something about, you know, because, I'm not a shy person. I think you know that. And I'm not afraid of people because I don't meet strangers. I talk to people at the the bus stop. I talk to people at the red light. But there's a difference between when you have something to say that is just in position versus when you have something to say passionately and when it comes across with an emotional tag to it. Uh, sometimes here on the Empire, I talk about things that uh, people want to hear about. Like tomorrow's show is going to be about sex. Everybody likes to talk about it, but that that is one show that everybody you would think would have something to say, and nobody says a word. They just call, they call to listen. Then you have particular motivational uh, shows, like I've had shows where we had to talk about what was happening in the news. We had to talk about San Bernardino. We had to talk about the race relations. We had to talk about different things that people talk about in every facet of life. And it's it's very, you know, scary for me because what you say and put out into the atmosphere – 
becomes alive. And so I've learned to, you know, speak when it's appropriate uh, and say right. what I actually mean versus what I'm actually feeling at the time. But there's a caller that just came on, and I'd like to make sure that everybody that is on the on the line has the opportunity to speak. 1488, are you there, and can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Did you have a question of our guest, Mr. Sakani Prince, or just wanted to say kudos to him for writing this book? Are you climbing the wrong mountain? Well, both. I, I I ordered my copy of the book, and I've certainly read through the book. But, you know, what I wanted to ask Sakoni is looking at, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, they believe that there's something more for them. They believe that what they're doing on a daily basis, there has to be more, but they're not sure what to do. And so what do you say to that, and do you talk about that in the book? Yes, I do. I help those individuals who purchase and read my book go through the process of identifying what else is out there for them. I help them to look at their life, look at from where they are, and see what brings them the most fulfillment, what gives them the greatest sense of purpose, and what allows them to serve humanity. And once they've identified that, then, okay, now it's just a question of, okay, how do I make the transition? How do I get off from where I am to where I'm supposed to be? And But the biggest thing that I found in dealing with individuals and even for myself is just getting the mindset, moving your mind to the right mountain. And I talk about that in Chapter 8, moving your mind to the right mountain. You know, I remember seeing a video by, Les Brown, and he talked about how the easiest thing it is for him to do is speak. He says he speaks in schools and colleges in prisons. He speaks to corporations. He said the easiest thing for him to do is to share his story. Mm -hmm. But he said the hardest thing for him to do was to believe that he could do it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are at that point. They see where they want to go, but they have a hard time believing that it's possible. And that's why one of his mantras is it's possible. It's possible. If we can ever get past our mental barriers and our mental blocks, once you move your mind to the right mind, once you said that's where I'm supposed to be, it's only a question of how do I get there. Mm-hmm. Because it's not that do I do I need to be there. You've already you've already made the determination. You've already determined I can't stay where I am. There's more for me. I just have I have to figure out, I have to strategically get from where I am to where I want to be. And that's what this book, it does. It, it helps lay a framework. In a, and I keep saying framework because, like I said, everybody's situation is different. But if you have a framework as to what, what sort of steps that you need to be considering when you're getting off the wrong mountain and onto the right one. It will help you in your situation. You build your own custom-made plan of how to get from where you are to where you want to be. And really that brings me to Chapter 9 and to what Sharon talked about. I hope I answered your uh, question. 
tonight. He he answered you. He answered your question okay? Oh, yeah, that was great. Thank you. In Chapter 9, I talk about getting a plan or putting a plan in place. And there's a quote that I came up with. It is actually going to be the catalyst. It's the catalyst for my next book. Mm-hmm. And the quote says, your job is holding your dream hostage. And so my next book is going to be entitled, Is Your Job Holding Your Dream Hostage? Because in any hostage situation, there has to be some sort of negotiation. I know that there are a lot of people that want to, you know, just kind of storm in and, you know, free the hostages and take out the people that are holding them hostage. But as I said, when you have responsibilities and obligations, you can't just go in with guns blazing. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out a strategic way to move from where you are to where you want to be. My next book is going to cover that. But in this particular book here, there is a framework. There are there are actually ten steps which talks about putting that plan together. The first one I talk about is take a look at your current expenses. And that means writing out everything that you're responsible for and putting it somewhere where you can see it. Number two, see what items you can cut or eliminate. Basically, what can you do without? Mm-hmm. Number three is set a timetable. I was sharing like, with someone earlier today, I never would have finished this book had I not set in place a date to have it finished. Now, get this. That date came and went, and I still hadn't finished the book. But but like, but I finished it soon after simply because I had the date. Now, had I not set a date, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have known that I had gone over. Had I not set a goal, I wouldn't have known like, that I hadn't achieved it. But setting that date, it made mm-hmm. me, each day after that date, I was like, I still got to get it done. I still got to get it done. I didn't just stop because I missed the date. But the date, it gave me a sense of purpose and and a time frame in order for me to have it done. And so mm-hmm. talk about setting a time frame. And how long is it going to take for you to free up like yourself and to wisely make your move? Mm-hmm. Fact number four is to set a budget under your new income stream. You know, corporations do this all the time. They do projections. They do income projections. They actually look at how much money they plan on making, and they set their budget based on that. Well, I even talk about that in this book. Fact number five, it says, make everyone affected by this move prepared for the shift. Mm. And that means helping them to understand, okay, this is what I'm doing, and I may not be available for you during this time. That may be a, a family member or a friend that may sometimes call upon you for some sort of assistance, and you're not able to be. They need to know. So that when they come and you say, I don't have it or I can't help you, they already know why. I think oftentimes we don't let people know who are affected by 
what we're doing. Doing. It's right. not that we're trying to get their. It's not that we're trying to get their approval, but but we're just putting them on notice. All right, this mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to do over here. And so I'm not going to be available for you until mm-hmm. I get off this mountain and onto that one. Okay, mm-hmm. and that may be an actual good thing because some people need to be cut off anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ain't so gonna be the amen on that one. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, and then I even talked about how, and this is a, and this is deal with people's tech belief system. And I know that a lot of people have their they have different belief systems. I know for myself, I have to wait on God's green light. I mean, because there have been so many times when I've just wanted to jump myself. Mm. That there was a time, but it wasn't the right time. I will never forget several years ago, I was at our church and at our men's ministry. It was the first meeting of the year. And I got there, and nobody showed up. It was just me. But it was one of the best times I ever had because I had a chance to read uninterrupted. Mm. And I read about Joseph in the Old Testament and how, you know, just the stuff that he had gone through in order to get, you know, to where he was. And he was actually in prison. And he went from running a a small business, Potiphar's house, mm-hmm. he was accused of rape and thrown in prison, to running the prison. So he so he graduated from a small business to a, to a corporation. But he went from running the prison to running the country. But but I noticed in Genesis forty, at the very end of that chapter. Joseph, he was gifted in the area of interpreting dreams. And he had he had interpreted dreams for these two individuals. In fact, one was the butler, the other was the baker. And he told the baker that he was going to be dead in three days, and he told the butler that he was going to get his job back. But but he said to the he said to the butler, he said, "Can you get a chance while you're up at the pharaoh? Can you can you tell him about me? Can you can you hook me up? Can you get me out of here?" <laughs> And, you know, the Bible said that the butler forgot Joseph. And Genesis 41 starts off and said, and two, four years later, Sarah had a dream. And while I was there at church, while I was reading that, I stopped. And I said, he had two years to sit, soak, and sour. He could be mad and upset. Yeah. It's not that he didn't want to get out of the situation. He wanted to get out. Okay. He asked to get out. He requested to get out. Mm-hmm. But God had a time. Had he got out then, he never would have he never would have been in a position to where he was running the country. And so I believe that God has a timing. And believe me, if anybody wants to to get off the mountain at their own, I know I'm not the only one. I know that there are other people. But I know for myself I have to it has to be crystal clear to me. I'm ready to get on the right mountain. I see myself on the right mountain. I am preparing to get on the right mountain. I'm making preparation now. I'm getting plans in place so that when the time comes, I'm already there. 
I'm already where I need. I'm already heading in that direction when the time comes. And so that's where I am right now. And that's why, even in this chapter nine, I talked about waiting on God green light. Don't move until you know it's right. And people know, you know, you know when your time has come. There will be, there will be just something in you that tells you it's time. And that's what people talk about, taking a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, being strategic, you know, knowing that you have a plan in place, knowing that you have a framework set up that's going to help you through this transition. Because flying by the seat of your pants don't really get you where you want to go. But when you put in the work, in fact, when you put in the time, in fact, when you put in the thought process of getting to where you want to be, when the light goes green, you are ready to jump. You are ready to go. If again, the I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I thought you were taking a breath. I don't want you to lose your. I, I hear you swallowing, and I don't want to just leave you out there by yourself. But you're doing a great job. <laughs> okay. Well, well. After you get the green light, the next thing to do is to move. Is to go. Say your goodbyes and have your cake and punch. Give everybody a hug and a kiss and go. When you get the green light, it's time to go. But the ninth step is to is to stabilize. Get in your new position. Get on a new mountain. Get settled. And when I, in fact, what I mean is settled, I mean get into the rhythm of whatever your new mountain is, working in it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Getting your actual income stream flowing, you know, and when it's changing jobs, I mean, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be your own venture or or have to be your own company. It may very well be, but mm-hmm. whatever it is, you have to. Once you get in, you have to stabilize yourself. You know, just mm-hmm. as you were stable working for somebody, once you get to the new mountain, you you have to get your. <coughs> Get your footing, if you will. And then, like, once you do that, like the last step is to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And celebrate that transition. And you can celebrate that by telling other people, by sharing your story, by sharing mm-hmm. how you use this book or you climbing the wrong mountain mm-hmm. to help get you to that place that you are doing and you are fulfilling your God-given purpose. Now, and I so, wanted to I I want you to I wanted I wrote something down and I thought was really key for me because I uh and I want to make sure you expounded a little bit on that before we get ready to go. Um you said that when you have identified your mountain it doesn't have to be something huge. Your purpose and destiny doesn't have to be some big grand event. Um, some people think that they have to have they have to be Sacconi. They have to be a public speaker. They have to uh, have you know groups of people that they're speaking to and expound upon. Everybody's not going to be able to do that. What what are, what what are some of the smaller things that people just are maybe looking over uh, that are purposeful things in their lives, or how can they identify those versus these big ideas? Well, now you you are actually going to make me tell <laughs> a gonna... story. 
<laughs> yes, you are actually making me tell a story. And it's one of the stories, you know, that I did in my anti-motivational speaking videos, which Peck was really helpful in answering this question. Mm-hmm. And the story is of a man that was retired. He was a widower. He retired, and he wanted to live on the beach because he wanted to get up every morning and watch the sunrise. So every morning, well before daylight, he would get up, go out, and he would walk along the seashore. But one night, this huge tidal wave washed all these starfish up on the seashore. And so like clockwork, the next morning, the guy gets up, he goes out, and he can barely see all of these starfish on the seashore. Mm-hmm. As the sun starts to rise, he, he noticed, as far as the eye can see, there are nothing but starfish. So he stoops down, picks up a starfish, throws it into the sea. He stoops down, picks up another one, and throws it to the sea. This couple that had just gotten married, they were newlyweds. They were on their honeymoon. They got up, and they wanted to do the same thing, walk out and see the sunset. And they came out, and they saw the exact same thing that this man saw. They saw all these starfish washed up on the sea, and they asked him, said, what are you doing? What's all the difference are you making with all these starfish washed up on the seashore? The man stooped down, picked up another one, and threw it into the sea. He said, I made a difference to that one. And see, we oftentimes look at a situation that's well beyond ourselves. But we can make a difference to one person. As I said earlier, our passion, our purpose is going to have a benefit to people. Even if it's one child, one family, one organization, one group, it doesn't have to be 10, 20, 30,000 people. It can be one person. You can make a difference to one person. But I guarantee you, after you made a difference to that one, there's going to be another. Uh There's uh going to be another. And, I mean, you may not be able to get everybody. She always said, bloom where you planted. Don't worry about where you can't go. Do what you can do with those around you. Back to that illustration, that man the starfish that he got to and threw into the sea, that one was the one that got the benefit. And so you don't have to worry about being grand in scale. Just mm. make the impact. <coughs> Excuse me. Make the impact. Make the impact to the person, to the individual, to the organization that you're supposed to be. And I tell you, if you, if you do it with a sense of being, mm-hmm. You're going to find yourself doing it again and again and again. And then it may even get to the point to where you start training others to do what you do. And that's what I can say about my coach and my mentor, Dr. Ruben West. Not only is he a dynamic speaker, he's one of Les Brown's platinum speakers, but he trains us to be the best authentic version of ourselves, to live our best life. And Mm. so, He's not trying to make clothes of himself. He's just trying to empower each and every one of us like mm-hmm. to be the people that, that we were meant to be. Exactly. And like I said, even writing this book, this book, it, it covers that. It, it, it helps people to identify those areas, like where they can grow. 
chapter 10 talks about leap of faith. And that's where, after you've gotten the plan together, that's where you put it into practice. But like I said, most of the book deals with the mindset because a lot of people's mind, they can't see themselves beyond their current situation and beyond their current circumstances. And so I spent an awful lot of time dealing with that. But once you settle in your mind, I can't stay here, I'm not going to die here, mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, where am I supposed to be? Once you identify that, okay, now how do I get there? And once you figure that out, the next thing is to go. Yes, to do it. Yeah. Well, Mr. Sacconi Prince, I tell you what. I think that we can say that the 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 majority of the book is get your mind right. <laughs> get your mind get get your mind right and get off of the wrong mountain. Uh once you're on the right mountain then move. Then move. I mean, I have yeah. I I got so many little notes down here. I got to decipher what all I've written. Uh I at the end of the show I always do a little self uh what I got from the show. But before we do that, I want people to be able to get in contact with you so that they can buy this book. Tell them how they can get in contact with you and buy this book. Are you climbing the wrong mountain? Okay. One of the quickest ways they could do this is go to my website, which is www.sacconeprince.com. That's C-I-C-O-N-E-P-R-I-N-C-E.com, Sacconi Prince. Dot com, and on the main page, there's a link which takes you directly to Amazon, and you can purchase the book there. You can get the Kindle version, or you can buy the actual paperback. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you don't want to go to my website, you can just go straight to Amazon, and you can search for Are You Climbing the Wrong Mountain, and it will come up, and they can purchase it there. I ask that people read it and also write a review for it, Mm-hmm. Once it helps them in order to get off the wrong mountain and onto the right. Mm. And what if we just want to get in contact with you? Okay, and I was just going to say that you can also connect with me. I'm I'm on all social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. You can go to each of those and search for Sacconi Prince. I mean, there aren't too many people named Sacconi Prince. <laughs> but Facebook.com slash Sacconi Prince. Twitter, I'm at Sacconi underscore Prince. Uh, Instagram is like Sacconi Prince. Like YouTube, you can go down and search for Sacconi Prince. And, I mean, in fact, you'll find me. And now people oftentimes say, well, how am I going to, in fact, remember your name. I said the easiest way to remember my name is to write it on a check. <laughs> so if you have a hard time remembering my name, just write it on a check, but you mm-hmm. got to send the check to me so that I can grade it. And the way I grade it is I take it to the bank, and if they cash it, then I know it's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and, and you also take other forms of payment as well, as long as it is uh, uh, to Sacconi Prince, C-I-C-O-N-E, last name yes. Prince. Thank yes. you so yes. much for coming on to our show tonight. And the way that we do it here on the Empire, the last 15, 20 minutes, the Empress just has a little bit to say about what we've conversated tonight. But before that, 
little short commercial. Are you tired? Are you sick and tired? Are you just plain done? Well, that's where I am, and we're going to change things. Here on The Empire, we change by informing, organizing, and doing things that really make a difference. If you have an organization or a program that is for the betterment of the human experience, that's where we're going to start. To be a part of this movement, please contact me. I am the Empress Cooper on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or email me at EmpressCooperDavison at gmail.com. Or just hit me up on my website, www.TheEmpress.com, where the Empress speaks and the Empire listens. Listen, I know that change won't just happen overnight. But nobody's going to change this but us. I think tonight's show was absolutely amazing. Are you climbing the wrong mountain? And instead of just using all of your energies on the wrong thing, focus on what brings you pleasure and what not just pleasure but fulfillment. I think he used the word fulfillment a lot. I think he used the word uh, focus and position a lot on the show. Uh, I put little tick marks down here about the number of times that he said those words, and it's very important and effective to understand that what you are doing has purpose. Everybody that breathes on this earth, I believe it, and, and it's not a religious thing. It's not a you know, anything extra, because, you know, some people, they, they get afraid when you bring God and destiny and all of those things into being. But the truth of existence is that I don't think that you just got here and it's an accident. Ain't no big bangs no more. I think that there is absolute purpose in everyone who makes it to this side of the dirt. And once you're here, there's so much going on and so much distraction. I think it's easy. It's extremely easy to get side tracked and watching what has panned out for someone else and watching what looks good on someone else's uh, portfolio or on their resume. And he was absolutely right. We're even given instructions on how to be successful, period. But success doesn't all, all the time equal satisfaction. I think the very greatest thing that he said was that the greatest failure in life is to succeed but at the wrong assignment, understanding your assignment. And people don't really get that assignments sometimes are just miniature tests. It's not the end. It's just the things that you're charged to do to prove the existence of what you're here for and what's on the inside of yourself. He also said that consistency builds confidence. I know that anything that you rehearse enough, whether that's positive or negative, you can almost get so proficient that you can teach classes on doing it. I mean, that's just the truth of anything. Practice makes perfect. That's kind of like the same thing. I know that that's the truth for me. Um, I still know that Sakani's probably going to cut my, my cut my legs off at the knees, but I'm afraid to look at people, look at me speak, and I will have to try to use that in a different way. But when it comes to something that is impassioning me, when it's something that moves me, when it's something that comes from the soul part of myself, I don't care who's looking. I don't care who's around. And it's sometimes like the, the passion just takes over for the purpose and the positioning that I have, and the words just flow. I think that we all have that same capability in our particular arenas of life. We have to pay attention, though, about who's around us and what is good for us and what's participating in our purpose or propping us up and the other people who are 
preventing us from getting And, you know, some people be trying to tell, ooh, look at that mountain. Look at that mountain. Get on this mountain over here. No, he has already written a book that you can get on Amazon and read and, and, and make it your own. Because the thing is, is nobody else is going to be able to explain the feeling of satisfaction for themselves like you can. Nobody's going to be able to exude the, the, the resonance of uh, absolution except for you. I know that there, I, I never would have thought that I would have my own little blog talk radio show, but I knew at a very early age that I didn't necessarily want to be Oprah. I understood the power of just listening from a heart place on things that really matter, not just things that are popular, but things that really matter. It helped me personally, and there's no way I couldn't share that gift with other people. So I think that is the essence of what I've learned tonight. That's the ultimate for me. Um, I'm not going to tweet his things out, and he said that we are going to have to learn the difference between knowing what you're trained to do and what you're ordained to do. Now, I never thought I was ordained for anything, but when you look up the word, it ain't got nothing to do with no religion. It has everything to do with you working inside a purpose, working inside of what you're naturally and in, inside mentally and spiritually equipped to relay to others. And if you're going to, I mean, this is the thing. A lot of people know what they were made to do, but they don't ever get it perfected enough to share. And if you're just going to live in your own little world, it really doesn't, you know, justify your being here and amongst others. We were here to serve others. He he said that too. He said that what you do should actually be something of example or benefit outside of yourself as well. Some people get really, really comfortable understanding their purpose, understanding their destiny, and living inside it in a little box. But that doesn't manifest. And actually, I think we're all potential legacy makers. You go, you're going to make a legacy, whether it's a good one or a bad one. And why not just go ahead and do what really God sent you to do, do it well and share it with others. Now, this has been a wonderful, wonderful show. I hope you have enjoyed it. On tomorrow, another show, whole other end of the spectrum, but in the same way, we women have got to understand what is inside of us and what we were put on this earth for. And it not it's not just for sexual pleasure. I mean, how can you even know how to uh, pleasure someone else if you don't know how to pleasure yourself. Knowing what your body really, really needs, knowing what your body really, really says, and what is not. Stop listening to the media tell you how the man's supposed to do and what he's supposed to not do. You need to listen to yourself. Like, don't climb that mountain. And until next time, I think I'm going to play my little Chris Brown song. I hope this is the right one because all of my song titles have jumbled up here on my keyboard. But until next time, this is the Empress Speaks. What if the sky was turning red? I know we'd be safe right here in my bed. Laying face to face. Oh, girl, I love the way you smile. When you rain on me, so tonight let's act it out. Show you how it's gonna be. I'm gonna kiss your other set lips Hold your body by your legs and hips The world can end in two 